Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Cantori Show. And uh, we're up. We're running. Today's guest is uh, Dave Scott, who's a long time. He's now retired, but was a long time meter. I have a hard time with this word. Soleil, <laughs> help me. Producer Soleil. I'm in the studio. Uh, meteorologist. Thank you. Meteor. Meteor. Like meteor, there's a meteor coming meteorologist. at us. Meteorologist. I struggle with that <laughs> I word. Think, I think that's how it no, is. No, no, you're the right. Blind leading the blind right here. <laughs> Aren't there some words that you sh- like, you struggle with, but others don't? Business. Business. Busyness. See, I have a problem with. Uh, oh, I'm going to do it right now. Parentheses. Per- parentheses. See, I fuck it up every no, time. No, that, that's a good one, actually. That but is a good one. Meteorologist. Meteorologist. Yes. I can't just say weatherman. I mean, you could. No, I don't think that's appropriate this Maybe day and weather age. Weather person. Weather person. <laughs> weather person. <laughs> weather person. Dave Scott, who is now uh, a member of a, a. He's got his own band. He's going to tell us about that. I saw him perform live, which is why we have him coming on today. Before we get to that, I do want to thank some of our sponsors, and then I'll reintroduce you to Soleil. Uh, first of all, if you're looking for, you know, right now, it's a crazy time in real estate, needless to say. And if you're looking to make a move, sell your house, transition, get out of town, perhaps you're moving back to town, I got a person. It's uh, californiavibes.net. Head on over to that website, fill out the form, tell them I sent you, and uh, we'll make things happen for you. In fact, I've got this crazy deal with the person who runs CaliforniaVibes.net. She's an awesome realtor here in town. It's nice. Sari, who I do the uh, Desert Dreams podcast with. Oh, wonderful. Okay, when worlds collide. Exactly. So it's Sari's business. You work with my friend Sari. She's legit. And then Sari is so rad. She's like, because I'm not a realtor and like legally she can't give me a piece of her commission or however that stuff works. But she's like, I'll hook you up with like whoever goes through me. I'll set you guys up with like Amazon cards if you want to go to Vegas and see you two or the dead. She's like, if we're all working together, like we're all part of the same team. Everybody eats. What? <laughs> how nice to be involved in a team like that. So it's CaliforniaVibes.net. If you're looking to make a real estate move, we can make the moves together. And uh, we've been dealing with some... Some moving here on the home front. Mm-hmm. I know that's something that Soleil, who I've worked with before, you've you've met Soleil uh, on uh, previous episodes. Uh, she was my producer. Yeah, so we met in radio. I produced the morning show that we were both involved with. And then when, uh, you know, life happens and we've stayed in touch and we just keep trying to create. And so I'm I'm always grateful for the opportunity to work alongside you and to work under you and to learn and to be here. We're going to we're going to put some magic together and we're going to see what happens. I don't doubt that for a second and it's awesome being reunited and something you've pointed out in the past, kind of like women and their menstrual cycles when they live together. I was just telling someone the other day, I go, "Yeah, you know, me and Chris, we cycle up." We cycle we up. We cycle up. In so many <laughs> areas where it started with us losing our jobs together at 100.7 mm. and uh recently the latest cycle up is Floods, rats, Floods. and moving. Yes. <laughs> Floods, rat invasions, infestations, and in your case, you're moving permanently right now. I'm yeah, I was I was lucky enough that um, my building was so neglected and my landlord so doesn't want to deal with it that he's just letting me go. Amazing. So a win's a win. I did. However, have my first uh package stolen. I haven't oh. told you about that yet. No, what did you get stolen? 
All right. The hits so, keep coming. The hits keep coming, baby. So, I'm in a I'm in a studio currently. So in what area of town? I'm in Golden Hill currently. Okay. Not not for much longer. But uh, and so I I needed like a compactable mattress bed sitch. So I get a trundle that converts from a twin to a king. Okay. So you need two twin mattresses. Right. I have now one twin mattress. No. Someone stole a mattress. Someone stole my Come on. Mattress, I thought you were going to tell me an iPhone or something. I almost wish because I some could Tupperware. track it. No. A mattress? A brand new in the box mattress. Come on. I, so I keep telling all my friends in the building, I'm like, hey, keep an eye on the alleys. Keep an Come eye on, on anyone coming in and out. Okay. If it shows up in an alley and it's somebody else, like a person experiencing homelessness using yes. it, I will personally pay for the mattress. Okay. Anything else though? <laughs> Let's find this effing mattress. Dude, right? Who is stealing mattresses? That's what I'm saying. Come it's on. just ridiculous. So I have one twin, one full, and a king size bed currently. Come on. Like- That's just unbelievable to me. Like, so what did they think was in there? Did they know it was a mattress? I'm was sure, it like, labeled like purple or was it one of the what type of mattress? Super, was it super, super name brand. Like I right. did go a little on the cheaper side, but like Amazon reviews were telling me this was going to be a great sleep. I've had Is it friends. one of those that rolls up? It's one that's compacted. So because I'm moving, I kept them in the boxes because Got I was it. like, I don't want to deal with this yet. So I had them right like in my you go up into the apartment. There's like a breezeway that no one should be in. And I had my mattresses right outside the door on. This is like my fault for that, for not bringing them inside my 400 square foot studio. Someone in the building stole it. That's what I think. And I think it was my neighbors. And I like knocked on the door and everything. They ignored my door knock. And then I heard them coming out and I like opened my door to be like, hey, there are these people that sketch balls. My first interaction with them wasn't great. It was at three forty-five in the morning on a Sunday because they were How having. How old are they? Younger kids? Older? I'd say early thirties, mid thirties. The guy doesn't look like he's doing that great, so okay. I would assume somewhere in that pocket. Yeah, but... well, you have every right because even just where I live, someone uh, someone lost a trash can. And my phone's blowing up one day from the neighbor. Like, have you seen my trash can? And it's a fucking trash can. Yeah. This is your mattress. This, this is, is like where you sleep where at I night. Lay my Put head your head. And someone's taking your shit. That's why I would, if I were you, just put notes up. Missing mattress. Oh, I might actually. Let's put actually. this to bed. <laughs> That's what I would do. But I'm dealing with similar shit, though. I mean, so you're in the process right now of moving locations where I'm in the process. It's amazing. I'm in an Airbnb. We're doing this show right now from an Airbnb. I could see my house from our window. And right now we've got a, a crew that's removing the asbestos. So they can go in there and do Actually, demo work. I saw the nicely labeled van outside when yes. I pulled up and I was like, we've got the professional <laughs> it's like crew. when you have termites and like yes. you, you kind of want to keep things in house. But all of a sudden there's a yellow and blue tent. Oh, like, I tried to go to my house are... yesterday and there were signs up about lung cancer. I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'll come back another time. Yeah, they're tearing down my house because it was the same thing. We are dealing with the situation where our owner didn't certainly didn't fix it the way it needed to be fixed. And despite us sending up flares and warning signs uh, that were not addressed or listened to or, you know, there was no follow through as a result, 
this big storm happens and we had had problems before and the problems just got worse to a point where the ceiling collapsed. Yeah. Walls. And not just in one place. Like no. there was like multiples, like your master, house is riddled. Yeah. The master bedroom, the master bath, laundry room. Your daughter's room. Daughter's room. So now we in the middle of the night were literally displaced or middle of the day found this Airbnb owners helping us out but it's a really gnarly process because you got to be careful in, in the world that we live in today with san diego and the cost of housing you've got to be real careful because we don't want to be uprooted right now we can't afford the same house in another or the same neighborhood or even another neighborhood we're, we're so priced out in so many ways and that's why we've stayed in this place and have kept our mouths shut because we don't want to cause any problems we realize we have good rent and that's, I think, the hard part about it and about advocating for yourself within like being a renter. And that's something that like I'm very familiar with after the last five years of renting down here is that you feel lucky to have a roof over your head down right. here. And so by feeling lucky, you either you advocate for yourself when things go wrong, but you also try to like not make it a big deal because you don't want to like make anyone kind of start to look at things, you know, or so on and so forth, or make yourself a hindrance to your landlord who's letting you feel lucky by having a roof over your head. Bingo. When like the fact of it is, is like the amount of popcorn ceilings, dirty carpet and yep. like unkempt homes that I've stepped foot into with a price tag of $2,200 a month. Which is, is nothing. Which is nothing. But for a studio that's only 400 square oh my feet, God. it's asinine. Ridiculous. And it's like, you want me to pay for this? You want me to do this? but I've got rats running around my feet. You know what studio apartments cost back in my day? It was like four or 500. That was the entry point to a studio. Then you wanted a one bedroom. Oh, you're in the 900 to a thousand dollar range yeah. for a one bedroom, two bedroom. Oh, you're in the, you're in the $1,500 range right now. When I moved down to San Diego and you were actually the person that helped me find a, my first home down here, which was actually my favorite home out of <laughs> all of the places I've lived place. in. It was fucking awesome. But that was a two bed, one bath. Um, no parking, but like plenty of room street, on the street, yeah. like beautiful, quiet neighborhood, 2200, 2200 in the middle of Kensington. And like, and now it's 2200 for a studio. And I remember that running joke when I moved down here of like, I'm from the Bay area, can't afford to live there on my yeah. own, but I can crush it down here. And now, you know, not the case, not the case. I'll never forget. I was, uh, offered a job. When I first got let go from 91X in, you know, it's like 2000, right before the recession, I was offered a job in New York City, mm. uh, working at an alternative radio station in New York, number one market. Your family's from the East Coast, and, right? Yeah, so born, there's a yeah, I could I could pull it off, but I really didn't want to go back. I'm certainly not this dude who has New York pride. The second I left New York, you know, I was 14, 15. I wanted to shake the accent, be full Southern California. So for me, going back, it was not actually something that was attractive to me, but I'm like, fuck, it's the number one market in the country. I'm being offered a morning slot on an alternative station. It was K-Rock at the time. And um, the salary was in the low 200s, okay? And I remember saying, I can't make this work. I can't mm. make this work with the family when, I, when the average rent in Manhattan was like five, $6,000 minimum for like an apartment in Manhattan. 
And now I look at what the rents are for my family here. I make nowhere near that. But to put my family in the same house that we're in currently yeah. in this same neighborhood, minimum five, six thousand. And I'm like, but I'm not making two hundreds. And I literally turned the job down because of housing. And I'm like, okay, I could live in Jersey City because my wife would have to lose her job. It would all be on. So, and, and I didn't really want to go to New York. But yeah. the point being is I distinctly remember the rents in Manhattan being the same as they are here right now and feeling like 200 grand wasn't enough. And now we're living in the city with the highest inflation for yep. no point. And it, it just... Yeah. And I don't think it's going to sustain, which I I truly don't. I really believe that some, I've been saying it for a long time. Something's got to give. Sitting in this place that I'm sitting in right now, which is an Airbnb, the reason why we're in this place and got the extended stay is because the Airbnb market is tanking right now. Well, so I'm tanking. In, and I'm in the restaurant industry. That's what pays like my day to day bills. And in the restaurant industry right now, like we're staffing down. Yep. Like there, no one is out and about. And like I work in Del Mar, so I work in an area that essentially like the recession doesn't affect. However it is affecting us because there is no one else frequenting our business besides the locals that live in the neighborhood because yep. no one can justify going out and spending money right now when it's really hard for multi like for families for individuals like i drop a check for a couple like a young couple on a date night and it's in the 90 dollars and i'm like yep. that's stressful I took my family to Rubio's and I swear to you, the bill was like 80 bucks. Yes. My wife and I got a beer each and got the kit and all our entrees. It was like almost a hundred dollars. I'm like, yeah. we're at freaking Rubio's. Should be 40 bucks. Like the cost of a burrito. 35. Don't even make me start on the cost bucks. of a burrito. But I get it. Cause then that's the other side is I understand the business and the rent They're that you have screwed. to pay and the employees that you that's have to pay. Thing. And like, They're getting know. screwed too, because I have plenty of friends who are business owners, yeah. but they're not bitching necessarily about what they have to pay their employees i know they get screwed there but i'm always pro worker so yeah sorry i'm pro labor that being said what i'm not pro are corporations that are taking advantage of these restaurants and saying oh we had supply issues after the pandemic that's why our food costs are so high well we don't have those same issues now how come they didn't go back down to where they were or even lower after paying years of higher end rates it's just or higher end costs it's genuinely crazy like it's for lack of a better word because there is no rhyme or reason or logic to it yep. all it's doing is pushing people out discouraging people and pushing more people into the streets or down the mexico yeah which no bullshit i've been looking at condos in mexico Boom. to move because Boom. i'm like 400 bucks a month like okay i already commute like yeah the border commute would suck but yep. like walk across have a car waiting fuck, for you on like the other side or a driver 50 for a Yep. penthouse in tj like exactly. is that the worst thing like good food community culture lower tax yep. like well you got the whole safety thing you got to be concerned about but not like 100%. the streets are safe here yeah, though but i'm getting mattresses That's, robbed regardless your mattress <laughs> stolen. exactly my point well if you do make the move down to mexico i want to recommend baja bound mexican auto insurance you can visit them at bajabound.com they can insure not only your car, but all your belongings, Mattress. including your mattress, Soleil. Woo! BajaBound.com. Dave Scott joining us right now. A longtime <clears throat> meteorologist. Woo! Jazz great. 
Dave. So uh, the other couple of weeks ago, I go every week or every two weeks rather and meet up with my surf buddies. These guys, I old dudes I surf with down at Termo and we'll meet at different restaurants every two weeks. And, and we go out to this Mexican restaurant in El Cajon. <laughs> right. <laughs> What's the name of it? Hacienda Casablanca. There you go. There you go. And I walk in and I swear to you, I'm like, holy shit. This band is freaking unbelievable. And I run over to the table and I tell all my friends, I'm like, I can't believe the talent they've got playing in this room right now. And that's literally how I opened the convo. Then the band takes a break and I see Dave, our guest, walk through the uh, the area, the bar area. And I'm like, hey, that's the weather guy from KUSI. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> a, a lot of people... That's their reaction. Yes, and mine too. And even though we traveled <laughs> in the same industry, I, I still got starstruck, and I was so pumped that you were the man behind this music that I was hearing. Yeah, I, I've been a jazz musician since I was a kid. I bought my trombone from Trummy Young. He was the the trombonist with Louis Armstrong, and that was back in 1969. I was 12 years old, and I got money I saved money from a paper route, and uh, my dad said, okay, you save. It was $300 for the trombone. He said, okay, you. Which is a lot of money. A lot of money then. back then for Holy a kid. Cow. He said, you save up 200 and I'll kick in the extra 100 I got. We did it. It took me six months to earn it, and then we went down, and my dad took me, and I, I bought that horn, and Trummy Young invited me to watch him play at the at the Hanohana room at the Sheraton Waikiki. So did you grow up in Hawaii? Well, I spent time there. It was here and Hawaii. Is your dad in the military? No, he fixed typewriters. But my dad is like <laughs> my dad was like Scotty from Star Trek. <laughs> All right, what's wrong with your typewriter? And he just could lay his hands on it and would be fix fi it. he's one of those kind of guys. Yeah. Absolutely. And um and of course, now nobody uses typewriters. So yeah. he felt really at the end of that whole era, he felt like, you know, buggy whips or whatever they, you know, nobody uses those and needs those. But, you know, they, uh, he had a beautiful day. I wrote a song for my father called Typewriter Man. It's kind of a fun song. You know, right. It's a very, very high energy fun song. But, um, and then, and I, I, I saw Trummy Young in Waikiki. And it was the first time I'd ever seen a trombonist in front of a rhythm section playing jazz, playing the lead, playing melody. I've never seen it before. Yeah, yeah it's very, it's rare, even nowadays. Yeah. Uh, I just got done hanging out with Delphio Marsalis, and he was just in town. Wow. And uh, I've had the, the wonderful chance to play with it. He's the trombone playing brother of Winton. Winton, right. Marsalis and Branford. Right. And he's become a, a, a really good friend. And so, um, you know, if you just stay in anything long enough, things, good things can happen. And just got to put yourself it. in the environment. Yeah, you really do. And you started that young, which is okay. What's, what's funny is, is when I was uh, growing up, you had to take a music. It's not like the school system today. Right. You had to take a musical instrument. That was like part of the curriculum. Part of the deal. Part of the deal. You had to be in band. You had to pick up an instrument. Uh -huh. My instrument was the trombone. Wow. 
So I played second trombone. I wasn't first chair. I was second chair in the school band. And I, I went to recitals. I, I had a private instructor. But I knew mm. that there were people like you out there that were so much better than me that once I realize that I'm not the best or will never be the best, I, I will just quit. I'm out. And that's what ended up happening is I just quit. <laughs> but to this day... Right. You put a trombone in my hand and I can... You can make it... Right. I can make it happen. Right. And, uh, you know, that's a... It's, but it's, it, it's a lot of... <clears throat> like anything. Like anything. It's a lot of work to get it to the point where you can play in front of a crowd. Bingo. And you can play melodically and harmonically and, and just make it all work with the band very you know? true so i'm playing right now four nights a week dude and i practice every day and you have to to stay on top of it yep because your chops are the first thing that will go and the rust sets in and not only just your chops but mentally you if you if there's any glitch in time between what you're feeling and it coming out of the horn it has to be it has to flow out yeah and any glitch the audience can hear and so you have to stay on top of it like anything a good friend of mine is gilbert castellanos oh gilbert what a man what a g he practices hours a day and winton marsalis used to say he practices six hours a day and that's what it takes. It's yep. a profession, and they and everybody takes it seriously, just like a surgeon would take seriously learning. Of course, you know the human body to make. Yeah, sure. I and wasn't willing to put in the work. It's really what it came down to. Here well, you you found other cool things to do. And, yeah, but and so you, did you. <laughs> <laughs> so did you. Yeah, that was a. I did, and and that happened for me when I was turning 30 because it, it was, uh, you know, when you, you go through your 20s and you're, but when you see the, this 30 in front of you. It's daunting. Yeah, it is. You know, you start to get used to it by 50, 60, but no, 20s yeah. into 30. Uh, 50s, 50s was a bitch. 50 was a yeah. bitch for me, but 30 was the, 30 was harder than turning 40. Right. It's a life changer. Yep number and uh so were you a jazz musician and full-time musician all through your 20s then teens 20s yeah i i there were moments i was helping my dad with what he was doing and it helped me survive too um, um but i i played all the way through and i was playing uh with fro brigham and the preservation band now that's a band that goes way back way back into Based the 50s they're they're gone because they're all those gentlemen have passed away okay and uh, african-american musicians who were just the f fabulous and, and where were they and based they at were, the time when you were playing with them they're here in san diego here in san diego yeah and they were playing pal joey's uh in allied gardens they were playing Patrick's too in downtown, yeah, uh, which was the red light district in San Diego at the time. And stingery, and then uh, 
uh, Alonzo's, I think it was um, in uh, El Cajon. Anyway, they played these wonderful places. They were loved and revered, and they took me in to the band. And that's the best, you know, education you could have as a jazz musician. And they all became very close, and I learned a lot. That kind of set me on the road. And from there, I got a job at the Holiday Inn with a guy named Mr. Lucky. He used to play with Duke Ellington and back in the day. And great keyboardist. And so we did a duo at Holiday Inn. We were there five nights a week. And we were doing really well. And, uh, and then one day, the manager came in. And he says, Dave, man... I hate to do this, but we got to let you and Mr. Lucky go. And I said, is there anything we did? He said, no, 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 it's not you. It, we have, it's corporate. And and the, it was the Holiday Inn down in the Embarcadero. It's no longer the Holiday Inn. But we were playing there. And it was marvelous. Everyone was cool and great. And but he's, I said, well, what's going on? He says, well, you see the front door there? There's two guys coming in the front door with two big boxes. They came in, uh, cut the straps off the boxes, and took out two giant televisions. Oh. <laughs> uh, television sets. They weren't flat screens right. back then. They were like the size of this table. And they put one on each corner, and that replaced Mr. Lucky and I. Yep. Because and they and, and they turned on CNN and it was a twenty four hour, the first twenty four hour news th- thing and and it allowed people to come into the lobby and just kind of sit there and 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 they didn't have to, you know it, that was uh, we were replaced by right. a television set TVs. so yeah. And then, um, is that when the light went off? That's hey, when the light went that's, off. That's the industry I need to be in. If all, I can't entertain here in the bars, I can do so on that TV. Well, it, it was that plus the fact that, um, man, this jam, it, it, it's a difficult profession because when you get paid, you don't make that much money and you, you're just barely making rent. And a lot of guys were living out of their cars and all kinds of things. Oh, and yeah. I was thinking, boy, if I ever want to have a family, how am I going to get a loan for a home or a car or anything? And I was really kind of showing up on the gig with, on a moped. So I, I, I thought I went, I actually drove up into the mountains to Mount Laguna, sat under the grove of trees and listened. And the wind was coming through and I was just trying to, get it together, think about what I'm going to do. Well, we had an, uh, an account at, at the NBC, and we were fixing the typewriters, helping my dad. And uh, they, when I was there one day, they took me on a tour. I met Bob Dale. Oh, the legendary Bob Dale. Yeah. And so when Bow I... tie Bob. That's right. And in those days, he was he had little magnetic numbers that he would put on a board. A little sun and a cloud. Right. He would make it partly cloudy or just the sun. Right, for, with the numbers for the temperature. Right. And, the, and that would go on this magnetic board. Amazing. And he had a little box, a little cardboard box. 
with all these numbers and icons in them. So uh, completely different than yeah. <laughs> now. It's all computerized. Screens. Unbelievable. Green screens and mini skirts. Yeah. So we go in there. It's a, a <laughs> different, different world. And so, so we, um, so I walk in there. When I walked into the studio, the guy had hit the lights so we could walk in, and it was those lights like from Frankenstein's. Yeah, they're the yeah, and the comes on, and I felt yeah this the electricity in the room. I actually felt it, and like I being and on it was like coming right? like a light went on, and I said, I think I'd love to do this because I've always thought, well, that's the and I was always good at writing and. And what happened then was I found out there was a program at San Diego City College. Anyway, I went to the National Weather Service. I took a box of donuts. I went to the back door, and I knocked on the door. And a guy comes, and he says, um, can I help you? He says, you're supposed to be at the front door. I said, well, I'd, I wanted to become a weatherman, and I figured this was the best place to learn. <laughs> well, they ended up taking me there for... Uh, two years, and I worked for free. It's a building that I don't even know if it's there, but it it was um, back then, uh, and they had no win windows in the National Weather Service. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> You'd think there'd be a window. You right, gotta so you look, at look the out there, but they didn't. Right. And what they had was these these very large blue boxes. They were WSR 57s, and they were off the Navy ships. They'd taken these units, these radar units, and it was like the old voyage to the bottom of the sea radar. Like, mm. right. Yeah. <laughs> that little, that's exactly right. <laughs> and, and, and that's what they had. And they had a satellite image, one, one satellite image a day. And when the news program at city college found out i was there at the national weather service uh interning uh, they said how would you like to do the weather spot uh especially since i had access to that one satellite image this right. was you know we're talking the 80s early 80s so um i started to do that and i i just fell in love with it yeah so you instead of throwing yourself into the news organizations or you know where you were first visiting you know, NBC with your dad, you had the foresight to throw yourselves in at the bottom of the weather service yeah. to kind of get that was your education. It was. I wanted to know what I was talking about. Right. You know, Which it's one is thing rare. to just read. <laughs> it's one thing to just read the numbers and right. say seventy-five and. 74 degrees today and you wanted to know another, what a barometer reading actually i wanted meant. to know the whole thing right fascinating everything so and two years working for free you're in your late 20s two 30s years at this point or about to be 30 right and so i started to uh, go back to school and i earned a degree in meteorology and so uh, and then a certification and a seal, an AMS seal, American Meteorological Society seal of approval for, and that's for a geographic location, which mine was Southwest, the Southwestern United States. And, and with that, I, I got a job in Yuma. I then 
did a few weeks in Tucson, and I got the opportunity to come back to my hometown of San Diego and uh, in 1991 okay. and worked for KUSI. So, actually, actually, 92. It was 92, and I started at KUSI August 3rd, 1992. So I was there 30 years, Chris. That's nuts. 30 years. And but cut your teeth in Arizona for a couple of years before coming here. Right. I, I mean, I did do news scene at, uh, at San Diego City College. It was a wonderful program. I ended up becoming a professor there for 16 years. And then I even taught meteorology for a semester at Grossmont College as well. Uh, but I, I'm grateful uh, to KUSI because they really... They allowed you to do what you wanted to do, and the way they didn't hinder you really. They they really uh, were very supportive of the creativity that that you could bring to the table. Yeah, I always admired KUSI because it always felt less corporate. The talent right. always felt like, hey, I can you know go out and get a drink with that person or go right. see him perform you know at your local Mexican restaurant. Right, and you also love the fact that I I remember on the air, you know, retelling stories of watching KUSI and talking about the mishaps or the fact it wasn't polished or Rod Luck R.I.P. his well, teeth would fall out mid broadcast. Right, <laughs> you're right. That really didn't happen at too many other stations. No, <laughs> exactly. But it was all part of the charm, I suppose. Exactly. And yeah. and, uh, and and also, um, we're kind of, we really had come in with this morning show, and it was they kind of based it on KTLA's morning show when they right. had in Channel Five up in LA, and how loose that was that was extremely loose correct and they loved it so much that format and it was very popular and there was nothing like that in san diego at Bingo. the time so what happened was kusi stepped in filled a niche yep and they also stepped in there was no 10 o'clock newscast That's right. so dominated the 10 o'clock hour what's weird is you watch kusi now all the stations and and they have a, almost a full day of news or this program or that, that that's their own. Correct. And uh, and KUSI also, they have that now, but they didn't in the beginning. It was just a 10 o'clock news program. The idea was to start a morning show, which they did a couple of years after or right. about a year or so after after I got there. And then everybody started emulating that format. Right. Too, in fact, locally. when they brought John Coleman in, which was huge because he was an icon. He invented the weather channel. The breeze. Right. The, 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 he was the uh, first weatherman on Good Morning America. And uh, so he already had a resume. And he comes in and they hired him specifically to start the morning program. What happened was a couple of weeks in, uh, John discovered how tough it was to get up in the morning at that hour to prepare for the show. And so after a couple of weeks, they moved him to nights. And Terry Burhans, who was the nighttime guy, uh, moved to the mornings. Okay. So, and where did you fit in? I was in the time? weekend. You're all weekends. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and, you know, I ended up having to do 
mornings, nights, fill-ins. I was just working round the clock. That's it was what I toughest. remember. You were everywhere. Yeah. You and your bow tie that I assume you adopted from or paying homage to I did. Bob, right? That's exactly what that was. I started with the bow tie, uh, pay tribute to uh, Bob Dale. And he was, and when he, when he finally, he was about 90 years old and he, he gave all of his bow ties, a lot of his bow ties to Hope Shaw to give to me. No way. So I have a collection of his bow ties. Oh, and that's amazing. Some of the stuff. And, and uh, we have, at City College, they still have an archive of Bob Dale's material. And oh, the, I love you hearing know, that. He started Zoo Rama. Yeah, and you were active and, and, in that too, right? Did I had a show with, like with Joan, Joan Embry? Embry. Yeah, yeah. I had a show with her for three years. How cool is called that? Called More of the Wild. And you talk a class act. Joan Embry. Yeah. Rock is, star. Yeah, absolutely. Show. Oh. That's when I first saw her. And so knowledgeable and so caring, loving towards animals. Uh, nobody knows animals more than she does, and nobody cares about the environment and just everything that the animal world goes through. And she is just the greatest ambassador of yeah, all time for the amazing. zoo and, and San Diego. So during your time and during this whole trajectory while you're all over and bouncing all over on KUSI, is the trombone in its case? No, not, uh, not at all. No, it's out. I'm playing when I can, as much as I can. I did... 30 years at Croce's uh, on the corner of 5th oh, and yeah. F at of the time. Course. And then Ingrid, she was marvelous because she was so supportive of jazz and jazz musicians and Amen. helping. And uh, what a great music scene and um, we had here. And she was a huge part of it. Croce's became the number one jazz yep. spot in San Diego for all those years. You know, everybody played there. I'm Hollis Gentry, you know, Gilbert, everybody, you name it. And uh, then I took over the Monday night spot around the year 2000 and okay. played all the way through. And then I was playing other places, um, which I'm playing now. So I was so grateful. I've been so grateful to, to so many. You, you just don't do everything by yourself. There are so many people that come into your life and you come into theirs and, you know, everyone works together. And that's the yeah. beautiful thing about this whole life. And it's a flow. It's like music, really. Do you feel like some of that is lost today or do you worry about that sometimes? Because I do. I agree with everything you're yeah. saying, but sometimes I worry that's lost. Well, the reason that you feel that and I feel it and everybody does at times is because we have these, the technology has changed everything. Right. There's a screen now and that becomes the, everything's the phone. You're, I mean, in some ways it makes life easier. You don't have to be everywhere. Um, but you do lose. It is expensive it's not, I try to tell my kids, hey, you want to, when I used to make a phone call, it was 10 cents. I know. <laughs> I'd go, I'd stop, I, sure, I had to pull over 
and put the dime in. Yep. But I made the call, and that was the that end was of the it. cost. Now, How one of these iPhone, one exactly. of these phones is what are they now? Fifty, a thousand, then a computer, yep. and then you have to. And then to maintain them and keep them alive, it's hundreds of dollars a month it's after a, you're making right. that expense. Yep. And then you try and trade one in. You you don't really they make your life hell. Get that much. It's not easy, and it's just uh, completely different. And the other thing too is you're because of that technology, you're just a lot more detached from other human beings. Yeah, you can see them on a screen in one way. And think you're keeping up with them, but you're really not. Right. A lot of people felt that during the pandemic even more because, you know, there was a lot of people that felt, you know, the lo alone and yeah. the loneliness that, that can, because you're isolated yep. more. You're not out. And so when the pandemic, and we, f we saw that in the clubs we were playing, we were playing jazz, it was just the pandemic. Uh, there, weren't, was, there wasn't that much work for jazz musicians at all. Of course. And then as soon as it started to come back, people were so happy. Yeah. They were so happy, I know. Chris. So I know. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not, I mean, life's not easy as it is, but it's, it's still what we have. And it's the most beautiful thing in the world. Agreed. And we have to be around people and people are the greatest things on the planet. And we, you know, especially when we just try to have that love for, for each other and the more we can have that and we need it around the world. Like the Beatles said, you know, all you need is love and yep. it really is true. And you know, that's what we need now. I feel that more than ever. Yeah. Tell me about your boys. You've mentioned your sons a couple yeah. of times. Uh, what, where did they? Where'd you? Where was home base for you during most of your career? Where they go to high school? How are they involved in your life? All that fun stuff. Well, they're older now. Yeah, sure. I have three kids. My okay. daughter Aisha, she's incredible. She's thirty-four. She's living in Pittsburgh, and the and the uh, my two boys they're in their late twenties now, not mid to late twenties. So they're doing great. Um, Aisha's in Pittsburgh. She sings. She's fabulous. And when she comes out here, um, she's just she uh, she'll sing with me, or she has you know program cool to do. Yeah, that? it's really fantastic. She's the real deal. Is she a full time musician in Pittsburgh, or it's part of she's, her? It's part of her thing. Cool. Yeah, she, Good. and uh, and then the. Uh, my oldest son Cameron kind of followed the TV thing. He's up at Fox in Los Angeles, okay. Fox Sports, kind of behind the scenes. Good. Then my youngest son is a wildlife biologist. He's just starting, so he's trying to get jobs. He just got done with the U.S. Forest Service in Northern California. It was a six-month job, so he's paying his dues and trying to – get that so he just has an interview now with um, the state of hawaii so he's going to fly out there for that interview and i'm really crossing my fingers sure. that it, it comes through and he can get something permanent it'll happen but yeah where they all grow up or where where was home base for your family right during here there in what part of san diego uh well it was uh la mesa okay um uh and then the boys spent some time in denver 
Gotcha. Uh, everybody did, but uh, and then Aisha was here, and now everybody. But we just, you know, we just all got together and went to. My son had his twenty sixth birthday, and and we all went to Universal Studios. Uh, <laughs> Chris, that was crazy because I was. I didn't want, I was thinking, I'm not going on any of those rides. Right. <laughs> and they dragged me on three of the rides. I'm the same way. I hate going on rides. You know, uh, I got to say the Harry Potter ride, Universal Studios, that was fun because you you feel like you're flying. Sure. And so, and, and, and the other one that was really a lot of fun was the Jurassic World. Oh, it's I went kind on of that a little, oh, son. you have, I did that yeah. one with my son. You get a little wet, Heck yeah, but it was worth do. it. <laughs> That's awesome. But I, we had a lot of fun. It was just great to see uh, everyone together. You know, that's, oh, for what, sure. that's what it's all about. Yeah, I got uh, my son's a, you mentioned La Mesa. My son's a senior over at Patrick Henry right now. So mm. we're kind of at that point where what's this next stage chapter in life? What's this all going to bring? And then what I'm trying to do is instill the wisdom that I've learned, you know, from my choices in life as it relates to career and our, your former profession, a lot of ways, my former profession and how much has changed. Cause it was interesting earlier when you were talking about your dad being a typewriter mm -hmm. working with typewriters, I've used that analogy when I've referred to myself and my career where I felt like I, I literally have said, I felt like a typewriter repairman. If you swear to you, oh, that's unbelievable. Yeah, well, that's weird? true. Like literally that's the metaphor I've used. Yeah. Well, each generation has its thing and it's time. And, you know, like my dad did not want to go into the electronic world and uh, the computer world. Right. And then my mom did not want to do it. She worked at AAA and she had, you know, uh, a good thing there. And then, but she did not, when it all went to computers, she retired. Yeah. Did not want to go into the computer thing. And she and she never had a cell phone. She had a little phone, but no. Right. It was just nothing kind of like the emergency on. one big line. Just. She's never been on the Internet. You know, uh, of course, she my parents have passed away, but she she uh, <laughs> wanted to stay in that bubble. Place, and have safe, her safety yeah, zone, yeah, and safe have, place. have the memories that she had based on certain things. So we, you and I, were in this trans transition world, going from the old school of typewriters into all of this brand new world, and Word now processes. it's even changing, oh, yeah. even with AI and everything. It's getting it, it. It feels even crazier in some respects. <laughs> But I guess it's just going to be, you know, another thing to try and learn and yeah. work the bugs out as they go along. Were you ready to retire as I was, far as KOSI? I was at the age, yeah. you know. I hit the age where I could get Medicare. Okay. And so that made it, you know, you, you want to make sure that your health thing is covered for any reason. You yeah. don't know what's going to happen on the... Anything can happen to you, and you want to make sure that you're you're going to be okay. And so that made that transition easier for me. And now, you know, I'm playing music. We only have a certain amount of time. Yep. And, you know, you want to be able to breathe. And plus, the older you get, you know, I went through... 
a few years back, I was doing weather from my kitchen on the computer. See, that made that, there's where uh, the technology came in handy because I could roll out of bed. I had a, I had a water ski thing when I, and my knee buckled because oh. my, I didn't get the skis up. And so I was live on the Oof. air and my right knee gave out and I eventually had needed a partial knee replacement. So Wait. that happened about four years ago. And then, um, so with that, and when that happened, I still had to do the weather. So I, I was able to do it from right from home with from a home busted knee with the computer with the computer know, and get the job done through Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all, it's all a, it's all a new world now. But I'm grateful to have had the career, Chris. Yeah. You know, and to have gone through. I met so many wonderful people, and. Really, and everybody, and I knew people at the other stations, and they were all friends, and I still have those friends, and I, I cherish the time that I've had because it was, in many ways, a dream come true. Yeah, I understand that. Um, I put a show together called Dave's World of Wonder. Oh, I remember though. You did that for years. For years, I put thousands of stories together, and. Um, which was based on what, for those who don't know? Uh, it was based on it, just about everything. Science, the world, you wild know. Wildlife, a lot of wildlife wild life, elements, I remember. Space, exploration, you know. And things also, and a large large part of it was stuff in Hawaii, right here uh, in San Diego. It was, uh, you know, all San Diego history-based. And I did stories on Balboa Park and... You know, met Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and wow. did stories on all the astronauts and, you know, had a great relationship there with the San Diego Air and Space Museum. Jim Kidrick was the CEO. And a lot of people, uh, I just had the great, and plus our military, a lot of military stories. And um, I'm very grateful. Does one in particular stand out? There have been so many I mean, I tap danced with Carol Channing. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, interviewed Neil Armstrong yeah. and Gene Cernan, the first man to step on the surface of the moon and the last man. Now we're going back. Well, now we're at a time where people don't believe it happened. <laughs> That's today. That's the right. world we live in today. But I made, I'll tell you, I made really good friends, uh, Tony Gwynn was a good oh. friend. Junior Seau was a very good friend. We used to play oh. golf. We used to play golf, and and Junior would call me and say, "Dave, let's 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 go tee it up." And of course, I I never said no. And uh, hey, we'd buddy. go out. Yeah, hey buddy. Hey buddy. And he would. Uh, uh, and so we'd go and play, and it was always we we wouldn't wear shoes. It would just be barefoot. Oh my God! And, and it felt great. It was so incredible. It's just so he was an incredible, giving human being yeah. to others. He did so much. Uh, my wife and I, at the time we worked for his, we helped with his uh, foundation, oh, the Junior cool. Sale yeah, Foundation. Very well. And um, and of course he helped build a ball fields for kids and and uh, 
just did so many things. And so you get to know people and I did everything I could to, to help. Um, Lee Elder became a very close friend of mine. I helped Lee through the last real section of his, of his life, you know, and, and he broke the color barrier at the masters. Heck yeah. Uh, so, you know, you, you, you just come in contact with a lot of people and sometimes you end up becoming really good friends and that's a, that's a blessing. I understand that. And it's so cool to hear you look back and value that time. Because yeah. a lot of us look back on our trajectory and I have to catch myself sometimes in media. And it's easy to think about the hardships or the times where you're yeah. maybe sleeping on the floor of an apartment, you know, with your, you know, whatever the case is. It, it, you it can does, get caught, stuck in those it places. Does, because it does happen, you right. know. And usually when people see you on television or on the radio, what you know, they might not think that those things happen, but they do. And because we're all just human beings trying to do the best and get through and have some laughs along the way, you know, yeah. and have, and, uh, but I, I tell my kids, you know, it's just doing good and helping others. And when you can, when you're, when you're doing that, good things are going to happen. A thousand percent. You know, you put good into the world, good comes back. That's to you. exactly right. That's really it. That is as simple as that. And that's yeah. what I've always tried to teach them. And they were all really good. And, you know, and I, whenever I get, I have to hold myself back from crying when I see them. Just when I see them, I, I just think, oh my goodness. I'm entering that stage with my kids yeah. now. Same thing. I was just talking about my kid the other day, and I just started crying. Started crying. Literally yeah. started crying. Yeah. I had to apologize to the people that were in the meeting. I'm like, sorry, I didn't see that coming, but it just came out of nowhere. It comes out of nowhere, and I thank God that I, that I, that like you, that we have, and it gives us that perspective, yep. and, and it tells us how grateful we, we are and need to be and need to be. Well, for what it's worth, I, I view you from a vantage of, uh, and I think you'll like the reference, knowing the uh, the style of music you play. But uh, Frank Sinatra, man, you did it your way. You mm -hmm. got through. You let you yeah. you tapped out when it was time to tap out. Yeah. And now you're doing the stuff that you love to do when love you were a do. child, and that yeah. to me is friggin' beautiful. Yes, it really is, Dave. Thank you, Chris, because it's life in all of its ups and downs, good times and bad times. And uh, I wouldn't, I just, I wouldn't really wouldn't trade anything. Right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, yeah, even the toughest time, I wouldn't, because it it's all adds up to being you. And that's all that we can be, but that's a lot we can be. And I'm grateful and I'm, thankful that I have a family and it's you got to have you got to have others to lean on to love you to give give you a hug you give them a hug and and 
that's it's really that and a good meal. You know, if you, you, have to, you <laughs> I know still what I love mean? a good meal. You know, I still good. love my Mexican food. I still love my Italian food. Burger and fries every once um, in a while. I'm still looking yeah. for good Chinese food here in San Diego. All of right, it. exactly. So well, I'm. Thank you for sharing your story and more importantly your wisdom and your heart. It's it's been really cool and I got a lot out of this and I think people listening right now will get a lot out of it too. And even going back to where we started, yeah. I just remember walking into that room in El Cajon going, holy shit, this band is crushing. <laughs> Seeing you walk up to the bar and saying to well, myself, that guy did it the right way, his way and the right way. I appreciate it. And of course, when you're on the bandstand, I'm not alone. I got Irving Flores on piano. Amen. He's, he's one of the great Latin stars. Crushing. Yeah. Crushing. And a drummer. A drummer. Uh, you know, I have a, a Latin group that goes in there, and then every another two weeks, we, I have a, a more of a funk group, you know, grooving group, and uh, that has uh, uh, Kevin Conk on drums from Fat Burger. Mark Hunter is also from the, the, the original Fat Burger band, yeah. so they've got that rhythm thing happening, and uh, then on the Latin stuff with Tommy. Tommy Arrows, uh, who was with Luis Miguel for 30 years. Damn. Playing Latin Heavy percussion. Hitters. Heavy Just hitters. Heavy hitters. And all based in San Diego. Uh, yeah. And um, Ignacio Arango on bass. From, he's from Cuba. And he just, they, you know, you just get that real feel. You know what I mean? Uh, and everyone comes together. And um, and trombone is really big in in south america and latin music and cuba and and, and mexico so with salsa and everything so and if, uh, you, if you ever have any extra time you can always start a ska band too <laughs> yeah i barely no have doubt, enough just time. got back together head out yeah. to coachella well that's a great i'm playing four nights a week so i'm playing at hacienda casablanca okay Elka that's home. every that's on wednesdays. wednesdays and then tuesday and thursday i'm at nick and g's in rancho santa fe marvelous place and bellamy's in escondido every friday night that's bellamy's and so i'm playing uh um a lot and where can people find your music if they want to download check it out well the latest album is uh, one big beautiful world it's all original stuff i write and all those guys are on it and Peter Sprague's on it. You know, icons of San Diego music are on it. Uh, the Martin Luther King Community Choir is on a tune called Stronger Together. How cool. Uh, and my daughter's singing on that. And so, you know, you can just type in Dave Scott and the new jazz groove. And you'll find the music there. And... Uh, I do need to see. I'm still behind on the technology. I have to create a website and do all oh, that stuff. Oh, I can but, help you with that stuff. But, you know. But you did send me some MP3s. So yeah. I can actually take a Play sound a with few. one of the songs. Which one would you like? Which one out of the batch you sent me? And you got to intro it, too. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Be like uh, me talking about the weather. I'm going to turn you into a DJ. Let's see. <laughs> well, um... That Stronger Together is pretty cool. It features Peter Sprague right off the top.
playing guitar and my daughter singing and Martin Luther King, and she's going to really be taken over for me down the road. But uh, that has the Martin Luther King Community Choir, San Diego, on it. Oh, I love it. So that might be a great one because we're all stronger together, right? 